passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. It is Rewind the Dynamite. The show you clicked on is the show that you are getting. One day, you're going to click on this show, and we're just going to review Raw. But tonight, we are chatting about AEW Dynamite. I am John Pollock, and you'll never guess who's joining me. It's Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? I'm back. I made it. You did? Yeah. Oh. We're what, worried. What a novel. What a treat. A podcast with me and you. Maybe that's what we should do, is just post the show and say, it's a show. No description. And people are just going to find out what it is. Like, maybe I'll be on it. Maybe I won't. Maybe you will. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe won't we're going to review the show you think we are. Maybe not. Maybe it won't even be a podcast. Maybe it'll be like, you know, nice classical music for like an hour and a half. Or you just hear Ron in the background for three hours on uh, with our microphone running for the whole show. Like if we like butt dialed somebody who was watching Raw. Yeah, my dad had a real problem with that. He would consistently, like I'm talking once a month, would dial. And I began to just, every time my dad would call, just let it go to voicemail. And without fail, a five-minute voicemail would then appear where it's just him. Like he had just dialed and it maxes out at five minutes. This happened nonstop to the point that we we had to like take numbers out of my dad's phone. Like it was just, <laughs> it happened to me and my sister like so many times. Was this before or after smartphones? This was only, this was a couple of years ago. So it was smartphone era, So, how- but he did not have a smartphone. He has, he has one of those like uh, uh flip phones still. Oh, okay. Yeah. He has not migrated to the smartphones. I, I don't think him and smartphones would get along. Uh, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a jump. It is. He's probably better off. So he's not on Instagram. He's not on all this stuff. No, no, he is not. <laughs> he not is listening not to podcasts. Instagram. My dad is on Instagram. My my dad, his his introduction to the internet was when we first got the internet. And <laughs> his first time, we set him up an email address. So we put like the screen like to compose an email <laughs> so he started talking to the computer to like like that the computer would like pick up his voice and like it's like no you've got, you've got to type all this out dad 
<laughs> oh, I, I he's, feel he's way ahead of time. I think that I think we're still probably Listen, like, for the for the late nineties. Like, come on. I mean, I'm going to be in that spot one day when I, I've got to like you know compose my my thoughts telepathically, and that I'm going to sound like an idiot when I I, I try to do a, a type something out. Like, no one types anymore. You just think your thought, and it composes in front of you. That's going to happen, and <laughs> we're going to just feel like like old farts. So well, your dad's a futurist, then. I'm sure in five years' time, he'll, the, the technology will keep up with what will catch up to what, what he, he's envisioned. That's the goal, yes. Well, um, do you notice uh, there was snow today? Did you catch any of that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Not came out much. of nowhere. It was a like, very, very warm day out, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's snowing. I was walking home. It's snowing. Well, this is the best type of snow. The, the type that'll just melt Come itself. and go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not too bad. But it's, it's already March. Does it feel like March to you? We're we're two months into the year. Oh, we're like five days away from your birthday. Oh yeah, that's right. That's coming up. How does that, that feel? That means that means we're uh, close to your birthday. We're ten days away from your birthday. Well, that is true. But I mean, your birthday is coming up uh, on Raw. What a way to celebrate your birthday! I was uh, hoping to just completely go without mentioning my birthday this year, but uh, way has uh, ruined that. Oh, people already know. Come on, by now. So what? No. I mean, besides besides Raw, like what? what anything else planned for the day? Oh, plenty way. I'm going to have a, a wild party for Monday night, um, watching Raw for for three hours. And then uh, and then I'll be ch- – you know what? I'm going to literally be turning my new age with you here in my basement Sunday night after Elimination Chamber. That is true. It will be a two-night celebration. <laughs> oh, my well, God. Elimination Chamber. I'm going to uh, be spending my birthday with you. That's my plan. Well, uh, and and perhaps with uh, with the afterglow of a great pay per view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a big one. Uh, but not just me. Like with all the the listeners that'll be hopefully tuning in into us live. So, uh, <laughs> if you're a double double plus patrons, <laughs> uh, get in on the celebration. It's John oh, Pollock's birthday Sunday night. God, the uh, the birthday celebration. I was I was not I was, I was hoping for the furthest thing from this. Uh, so, anyway. Sunday night, uh, we will be reviewing Elimination Chamber. Um, but, you know, if I had to make a birthday list, you know what would be at the top of that list? It would be an item from the post-wrestling store. Because any day can be your birthday if you happen to win an item from store.postwrestling.com. And if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, well, maybe now is going to become your birthday. Because we have a... A giant list of potential winners. And way, are we ready to draw the name and find out whose birthday it is? I'm ready. All right. We are going down. We are isolating it. It is Pisces only. Uh, we are searching and searching. And this winner goes by the name. Congratulations to Abdo Fi. Abdo Fi from uh I believe this is Great Britain, and a, a Kelmsford, Kelmsford, the first Kelmsford, yeah, the first time I've ever had to say that name, Chelmsford, Kelmsford, something like that. It sounds like a fraternity, like a college fraternity. Kelmsford, okay, sure. It sounds, uh, it sounds certainly. Uh, it I, I meant his name. Class. Oh, Abdelfi. <laughs> Abd- sound- I'm part of Abdelfi. <laughs> oh, you were Abdelfi. What year? Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Wow. The glory years. <laughs> yeah, it was one of, uh, great times at Abdel Fi. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, so congratulations to to you, Abdel. You win uh, 
something from the post wrestling store. I'll be sending you a message very shortly. All right. Uh, well, uh, just uh, looking at some of the stuff we have up on the site, Wayne, I just completed a review of PWG 11, which comes with a bonus review of the High Spots Wrestling Network, courtesy of Wei Ting, uh, a very detailed <laughs> breakdown of this streaming service uh, that you can check out if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. That show is up that you can download now. So after you hear Wei and I speak for however long we're going to tonight, you know what? Call, Make it an all-nighter and just go right into PWG 11 featuring Featuring Kevin Steen's farewell to the independent world at large, uh, Chris Hero challenging Kyle O'Reilly for the PWG title, and a guerrilla warfare match with Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae challenging the Young Bucks for the PWG tag titles in the sweat box that is the American Legion Post number 308. Quite the roster on this show, and it was a lot of fun talking about it with you and our uh, executive producer, Tyler Crane. And as we mentioned on that particular show, if you sign up right now to the cafe, which is our Patreon, you get, coming up next week, our review of Infinity War that John has Ooh. actually um, caught up with. He's seen Thor Ragnarok. He's seen Black Panther. So we'll have a mini review of both of those movies from you, John, I'm sure. As well, we'll be joined by Brent Chittenden, the, uh, one, of my, one of the most knowledgeable pe- people I know about comic books and comic book films. So uh, he'll be joining us. We got the big wigs for this one. It's uh, something we've been building up to for uh, years now. So join us as we talk about Infinity War. Uh, yes, and yeah. uh, for those that maybe are are paying attention, uh, the busiest place in downtown Toronto is the post office. We've got Brent coming in next Tuesday. Uh, today, our good pal Cody Saftik made his uh, long-awaited return as we did a big discussion on all things mixed martial arts, including the UFC 248 card. And on Thursday, we have a special in-studio guest on the Cafe Hangout. 3 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be going live and joining us here at the post office will be uh, executive producer of Dark Side of the Ring, Evan Husney, who is going to be chatting with us about the upcoming second season that's going to be airing on Vice TV uh, coming up later this month. So we'll chat about uh, the success of the first season, the episodes selected for season two, and lots of uh, interesting subjects to tackle with Evan. And we can also take some of your phone calls if you want to call in as well. Sounds great. So tune into that. You can uh, listen live every Thursday at 3 Eastern if you are a member of the Post Wrestling uh, Cafe. And then, uh, as we mentioned, the Elimination Chamber post show Sunday night for Double Double Plus patrons. So look forward to all of that uh, slash the uh, the birthday bash, I guess, on Sunday night. News items to get into, way eh? uh, The WWE has, uh, like many uh, sports and entertainment outlets uh, have had to address their plans moving forward with the uh, the threat of the coronavirus outbreak. And they issued a statement to ESPN to provide an update when it comes to WrestleMania. And the following statement was given, quote, the health and safety of our fans, performers and employees are our top priorities. And we are monitoring the situation closely with our partners and government officials in Tampa Bay. We remain committed to hosting WrestleMania at Raymond James Stadium on Sunday, April 5th. And like other entertainment properties in the U.S., there are currently no plans to cancel or postpone our upcoming events. So uh, not a surprising statement given uh, where we are, but certainly one that, um, like, who's to say what what could change in five weeks? But it's definitely if you are planning to attend WrestleMania and all of these events, I mean, it's it's certainly a... uh, there's always the potential that that something could uh, get pulled. Absolutely, you know it's it, it's obviously something that's been you know on the top of mind for 
pretty much everybody in the world right now, and especially for those of you, for, for anybody tra- planning to travel to any sort of like large congregation. Um, so I think it is a great time to remind ourselves and, and everybody else to just, you know, practice great hygiene, you know, perfect hygiene and to stay at home if you're sick um, and to, you know, wash your hands for at least 20 seconds and all of these things like that. I, uh, I, I hope, you know, things don't get any worse. I mean, it may, might even be inevitable, but uh, I, at the very least, I hope it's manageable and I hope we all continue to, you know, enjoy the weekend. Yeah, I mean it's uh something like, you know, everyone has to be uh on on alert here and I think that it's uh only responsible that all of these companies are, you know, uh assessing this on a, on a day-by-day basis because things can um can change um whether it be for for the better or not. I mean, it's it's something that it's it's very much uh a giant concern right now and that goes without saying. Uh by the way, did you hear what um New Japan World, they are coming up with um I guess replacement programming on the service in light of their shows being canceled. And did you see that Taichi hosted the anniversary card that was played out on Fire Pro Wrestling on New Japan World? Well, I, I saw that this had happened. I have not seen the actual stream yet, but um, what I mean, it's something that was that feels like it was tailor made for us. Well, me, was, was was literally suggested by us in a joking manner, and they, they ended up doing it. Well, you know what? Great minds think alike. I'm taking 100,000% credit for this this <laughs> idea. You didn't think it was going to be Tai Chi doing it, though. I mean, if you had to think, I mean, he would probably be up there. I would have personally picked Minoru Suzuki, but oh, yeah. Tai Chi is fine. Raw well, ratings. There's also oh. a great uh, uh, Okada documentary that's out there that I've just started to watch. And that's subtitled, oh. that's subtitled in English, so yeah, it's a it's a great chance, I guess, to see what what you know extra pro, non in ring programming that New Japan World has to offer. So uh, I believe they've got a big interview with Hiromu and Naito that might or might not already be out. So I'm kind of looking forward to all of that. Whatever is, is subtitled in, in English, at least. So Raw on Monday night, uh, they were up two percent, small increase, two million two hundred fifty seven thousand viewers um they were they were number one for the night on on cable and they saw um a lot of increases in their demographics uh throughout the night and it's it's kind of this this 2.2 million range sort of uh that's where they were last week um i I thought they'd get a little bit of a bump this week there wasn't a whole lot of competition they were facing um and and they had promoted quite a bit for this week's show but it seems that 2.2 million is kind of where they're at right now yeah, um, I, did, you, did you think that coming off a of Super Showdown, or, or was it just, like, what was it in particular? I, I don't know. It was like they didn't really get much of a, a an increase at all. I mean, certain certain segments uh, of their uh, demographics were up from the prior week, but, you know, like two weeks ago, they were doing over 2.4 million, and I just thought with, with all the buildup, with, like, the latest progression of... Uh, with Beth Phoenix showing up, you were coming off of that that pay per view that SmackDown certainly uh, got a big bump the day after with, with John Cena, but it doesn't seem like Raw really benefited t- too much from it. But w- one of the things to watch though is that we are seeing in a few instances where in the third hour, um, adults eighteen to thirty four and women twelve to thirty four, they were up 
in the third hour from the first hour. And that's the second straight week where we've seen that. And that virtually never happens. It's always the third hour is always the lowest and the demographics always drop in the third hour. So that's two weeks in a row that, I mean, it's not um, uh, cause for celebration, but it's it's a small sign of people that it's actually growing certain audiences for the third hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it helps that I get, I think they've saved, you know, uh, pre-announced big segments for the final portions of the show. Um, and it's the it's it's also the second straight week that they put uh, Shayna Baszler in the third hour and also had the the big Orton angle um, at the end of the show as well. Last week they closed with Orton and Kevin Owens, so it seemed that the combination of the, the Orton Edge storyline and Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch's story being in the third hour. I mean those those would be the the reasons. I like that's the pattern we we've, we've seen two weeks in a row. Yeah, interesting. To see if they uh, keep it up. Um, just a quick thing on on XFL numbers uh, from the weekend. ABC's game was down eighteen and a half percent. Fox was down twelve percent, and FS1 though, uh, compared to last week, they were actually up eleven percent in viewers. So with FS1, they uh, it, this is the first week that any network has shown a gain from the prior week. Um, and then the other cable game was on ESPN two as compared to ESPN the prior week, uh, and that one was down 30% on ESPN2. So, I mean, at least with FS1, I think they'd be you know pretty happy at this point that they're doing a million viewers for this, ga- uh, for this week. Actually, they were over 1.1 million. So still seeing numbers dropping on the major networks, but at least on FS1, they showed um, actually an increase. So I'm just waiting for the week where things kind of level off and we're just seeing either small decreases or even in some instances, maybe a a small um, increase uh, somewhere, but we are still seeing on on the major networks, like, you know, as the weeks go on, I think the, the interest is waning down till they find their, their core base that are watching this. How long is the season? I mean, they're go, they go till the end of April. So we, we've got like two months of games left. I wonder if that if that'll pick up like by the time they really kind of get down to the end of it, or if it takes a I don't know some 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 top star like he hate me yeah or or just some kind of um like news story that you know would center on a on a team or a player something that would get attention. I'd be curious how many like bar like what is the amount of coverage that they're getting in like bars on a Saturday or Sunday is the XFL considered something that, you know, a bar is going to throw on uh, just because it's football. It's a Saturday or is it something that is actually going to attract business that way? I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Think There are people making plans to go to a bar on Sunday to watch the XFL. Well, I'd be really curious in some of these markets, like what is the fan base like in any of these eight cities? Like, is there, it, it does it at least have a bit of a cult following? Is there any kind of uh, attachment to the home teams in any of these markets beyond just like a small, you know, fall like here in Toronto, for instance, like th- there's a big gap between the following that Toronto FC is going to get versus, you know, the, like the rugby team. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, but if you're talking the XFL, I mean, it's it's a relationship that is, I think, still very much forming for a lot of people. So I really do wonder. Um, yeah, I'm really not the person to to be able to comment on that. Are you saying we're not going to go to a, a Tampa Bay game when we're down there? 
Uh, probably not. No, it, it might work out if they have a home game that weekend. I mean, what a, what an opportunity! Who would not want a podcast of us going to an XFL game? Me. The answer is why. <laughs> uh, let's chat a bit about Matt Hardy. So we didn't discuss this on Monday, but uh, being the elite had a scene at the end where they get a mysterious phone call from a 9100 area code, North Carolina, and they answer the call from someone they have not heard from in a minute. And Matt tells Nick that can't go home yet. We got to make a, a sudden trip. And this started it, also on the previous edition of Free the Delete, which is Matt Hardy's YouTube series that he's been doing um, uh, in recent months, where his prior episode ended with him making a phone call. And so it looks like we're just going to be going back and forth because on today's Free the Delete, we had the Bucks showing up to meet with Matt, and it ended on that cliffhanger. And that certainly got a lot of buzz today. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, pretty strategic to release it on a, on a Wednesday. I think his excuse for, I believe he usually releases it on a Monday, and his excuse was that it's like, um, it was in respect of, um, I'm sorry, like it was some, some, something that I had no idea what he was talking about. Like he has to get what the zenith out of his body, something or? like that. It was like in respect of the zenith or something like that. So he decided to delay it till Wednesday. Um, I don't know. Might have been a legit reason. I have no idea what he was talking about, but um, it, it, the timing worked out. Obviously, you know, with a, a lot of attention on Wednesday nights uh, for AEW. Yeah, and maybe we'll get um, Matt Hardy's new quest: delete the elite. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, obvious. I mean, okay. Does this pretty much spell it out for you, John, that he's going to be in AEW? I, I think it goes without saying at this point that he has to have something going on uh, with with AEW. I think it only it only makes sense at this point if they're actually going to the extent of shooting stuff. I mean, to me, it's why why tease this if there's not a, a greater plan in place. Does it? Take, that I, I would imagine it's probably been locked in that they have had this idea. Does it take the edge off of you know whatever's going on with the Dark Order? Because um, right now it seems like. The story is positioning the Bucks as like Matt's saviors, rather than you know um, the him being the exalted one there to take over AEW. Well, if if it's one thing that this company has shown a obsession with, it is groups that are sh- just shrouded in darkness because we've got. The Dark Order reveal with the Exalted One. And now we've got Jake Roberts saying that the dark side is coming to AEW. I mean, I feel, I wonder if that that was all intentional, like to, to make you think that it might have something to do with all that other stuff that's going on. But um, it could be more dark factions, sure. Oh, knows? my Lord. But. There's a lot of, a lot of darkness going on in, uh, in AEW. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they've got some grand plan with, with Matt Hardy, but I, it, it almost seems like it's um, to be the exalted one. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I think it's got people thinking, and that's the goal of this. Different ideas uh, of what ways they can go about all of this. I guarantee you it's not going to be a giant mechanical spider. Don't know that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that will be not in the cards. 
JBL has been added to the Hall of Fame class. They announced this on WWE Backstage on Tuesday night. So, I mean, it would make sense that you have Ron Simmons induct him after you had JBL induct Simmons. I can't imagine it being anyone else. No, that, that, that would seem like the, the logical one as well. Uh, ROH has announced the, the latest participant for their pure title tournament, Yuji Nagata. Great get. With, awesome. Let, think of like the matches he could have here. You have Doug Williams, Jonathan Gresham, Alex Shelley, Rocky Romero, Mark Haskins, and Slex. I mean, you get Nagata and Gresham? Um, could be, or he could just, you know, um, get knocked out of the first round. Well, th- what they're doing is they are doing um, two nights back-to-back to start the tournament off. I don't know how the brackets are all going to work out, but that would suggest, like, I, I would definitely imagine he's doing both those shows on the uh, April 10th and April 11th. Right. But, okay. That's a cool use. Like, this, it's clear, like, the New Japan ROH relationship is in a, a much better state, and... Yuji Nagata is a great idea of someone that, I mean, he's not figured into any gigantic plans in New Japan and ROH, great, great use of him, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a good get because I, I don't think it's somebody who necessarily overshadows any of the talent in Ring of Honor the way that, you know, like if you had a Zack Sabre Jr. enter that tournament, he would. Um, I, I And New Japan's not, not doing anything with him, so I think it's it's a great match. And the last thing here is uh, NWA Power. They announced on Tuesday's episode what they have coming up over the next few weeks. So next week, they're going to run episodes two and three of The Circle Squared. Then in two weeks' time, they're doing a special called Super Power. And that's going to feature Nick Aldis and Thomas Latimer against Marty Skrull and Brody King. The Rock and Roll Express against Aaron Stevens and The Question Mark. Tim Storm against Jax Dane. And Camille making her in-ring debut. And then after that episode, they're going to be filling weeks with uh, something called Power Surge. They're going to be doing a Crockett Cup selection show and bringing back 10 pounds of gold that will take them into the pay-per-view on April 19th, which is the uh, the Crockett Cup show. And I don't even know if you and I talked about this, but what did you think about the Crockett Cup? They're going head-to-head with Impact's Rebellion pay-per-view on that Sunday night. Good move, bad move. I didn't realize that. Um, good move or a bad move? Um, I or are the audiences so small that it's each side are going to have their their dedicated followers? Like, do you do you, do you see like it's, do you see it splitting the audience at all? I mean, potentially. Uh, I I could I, I would imagine if you're somebody who you know is very, you know, the, all of this takes place on a Tuesday, doesn't it? So if you're uh, part of your routine is to watch Impact, maybe you don't watch Power, or maybe you watch both Impact and Power. And this is the Sunday night pay per views, right? Yeah, I know, but but on Tuesdays they both. Oh, I'm saying like right, right. Their TV is the same night. Gotcha. Yeah, so this is the Tuesday night wars trans trans uh, transferring to the Sunday night wars. Uh, I to to be quite honest, it's like at this point such a I think it's such a small battle that. Um, Maybe it could only help, you know, to have uh, a relative even level of buzz, I would say, for both. Um, I'm more of like, you know, a fan of NWA Power, so I think I'll be paying more attention to that one. But, you know, as part of the news cycle, I could see, you know, big things happening on both shows, uh, making its way to sort of like the, the, the Twitterverse. Certainly, it's a much more even matchup than, you know, Ring of Honor doing their title switch on the same night as 
AEW Revolution because I've, I've right. heard very little people talk about Roosh being the new ROH champion with that being buried, you know, with Moxley winning the belt. It was, it was certainly overshadowed. I will say this. On Sunday night, I sat down and I had ROH on my on my DVR. And I just, like, sat down just to, like, kind of catch up a bit on ROH. And their episode, it was uh, two matches from the recent Free Enterprise card they did in Baltimore. So it was uh, Alex Zane against Andrew Everett. And then the main event, they had the Briscoes against Bandito and Flamita. And I ended up just sitting down and watching the entire episode. And it was a great show. Um, like two phenomenal matches and to build up their past versus present show, they aired in highlight form uh, the August 2002 match between Mark and Jay Briscoe when Mark was making his debut with ROH and it was great in like this is like a 16 minute match that they condensed into two hmm. but it was, you know, you're just taking like matches from your live events presenting them in full and it's like very much just um, throwing out your best stuff. I, I found it to be a really enjoyable uh, one hour show. Cool. Sounds good. What What is that past present show? It's the night after their pay-per-view. So the pay-per-view is next Friday, the 13th and past versus present is the Saturday night on honor club. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I think that weekend it'll be, I, I'm curious to see what kind of feedback we get that weekend from ring of honor, because I think they've built up, a certain level of buzz and you know hopefully some people will use that weekend to kind of check back in with ring of honor who uh, made some interesting moves to try and gain some some attention for themselves well personally i have a lot more interest in the past present show than whatever show that they're doing on on the 13th um which one are they pushing harder or is it just both at the same time i mean they're promoting both they're promoting both in that you know Honor Club gets you both shows. Honor Club, you have to do the big VIP thing to get the pay-per-view, but they, they are pushing them together. Um, okay. I am looking forward to, like, we're going to the Supercard of Honor show, and I think that's going to be a very good show. What have they announced so far? Uh, we, can, we can pull it up here. Well, they have yeah. Flip Gordon, who is going to be challenging uh, Roosh or Mark Haskins. So I think most are expecting uh, Roosh to leave the... Uh, pay-per-view with that and then they've announced uh, Nick Aldis has been announced for the show they've got Marty Skrull against Jay White uh, Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff against Kenta and Taiji Ishimori and they announced oh, wasn't it the six man that they announced as well yeah, with, got with it Osprey involved yeah Will Osprey, Amazing Red and Rocky Romero take it on Bandito, Flamita and Ray Horace yeah that's that's going to be outstanding that looks great So, alright well let's head into AEW Dynamite, is there anything else you want to mention before we go to the show? Don't think so. Everything is up on the uh, website, postwrestling.com. Thank you, Andrew Thompson, for uh, uh, taking care of the update today. So, yeah, check all that out there. And, it, and his interview with Slex yes. as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, of Ring of Honor. Uh, Andrew Thompson showcasing his interview flex. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, and no Beth Phoenix on NXT tonight. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. I mean... Uh, Obviously not good that in storyline a woman is injured, but I mean, good that they um, didn't have her on. Awesome. Dynamite uh, from Broomfield, Colorado at the First Bank Center. Uh, they recapped Revolution and then Justin Roberts introduced the new AEW champion. Had to have gone a solid 20 seconds to get out John. Mm -hmm. uh, Moxley comes out, stitches on his forehead. The crowd is chanting, you deserve it. And Moxley cuts a complete babyface promo that the letters AEW represent professional wrestling. Not literally. Uh, 
the sport he loves and dedicated his life to. It never belonged to Chris Jericho, nor does the belt belong to him. It belongs to the people. And we brought pro wrestling back. He will defend this title with his life. No man in this industry can pry it out of his cold, dead hands. Come at me, Charlton Heston. And he knows it isn't over with the inner circle, and he dares them to come after him. Uh, So the inner circle comes out, and they come out, and they're not walking down to the ring. So Jericho just waits and waits and waits for uh, for the chorus to play, and then the song to end for all the people to sing along. It's gotten to the point now where like everybody's singing it, you know, like when it first started, it was maybe the, the, the boat, it was over huge. And then maybe like, you know, it's took a while for it to catch on to the, to the arenas completely, but that's not the case anymore. Everybody is at least singing the chorus. You know, it's, it's his own, uh, Casa di Nare. I I would love for him to come out one week and he just like cut, cuts it and the people can't get into the song and they just boo him. Uh, it could be building up for that, sure. He says he does not need a belt to be le champion, and the crowd chants, yes, you do. He says the Moxley era has begun, but he thinks the Moxley era sucks ass. So the crowd chants, you suck ass. Censors were okay with this. Maybe this they one had was okay. Talk. Yeah, I mean, I did not notice the censorship problem at all on this episode, at least on TSN. Uh, there was one there was one instance later. Oh. He rags on Broomfield, calls Moxley a cheater. <laughs> this was the greatest logic of all time. He's a cheater because I trained for three months for a man <laughs> with one eye, and you did not disclose the fact that your eye had healed, and that is not the act of a champion. I thought that that convoluted explanation, I thought it was so funny. He calls Moxley a snake oil salesman. And the inner circle are now a hit squad and are putting the AEW roster on notice. And this is where we got a chant of bullshit and the censors were on that one. Uh, okay. He doesn't care if it's the librarian, Michael Nakazawa, or John Moxley. They will start with Moxley and guarantees that Moxley is not going to walk out of this building under his own power. And if he does, Jericho will take a 60-day... Leave of absence. And Moxley says he's going to send him packing tonight and make him look like a stupid son of a bitch. When, when he said the 60-day absence, I think the, the entire audience knew what was up. They knew that this meant Jericho was going to be leaving AEW for 60 days, and they started chanting, Fozzie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because they just today announced a bunch more dates for the summer, which... um you know, the way they laid this out, I thought it was really clever because I think it just felt like, okay, this is how they're going to write off Jericho. And they were very smart about it to just use this as like a, an actually effective swerve. Yes. Yes, it did end up being a swerve. Like it was, it was totally believable. Yep. I, I would say most people assumed like this would be the write off uh, of Jericho. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought Moxley sounded great here. You know, and this was like the big kind of baby face rallying promo from a guy who feels like he's assuming the that figurative leadership of a company. Um, it was probably the type of promo that I think we all expected maybe at the end of the match when he tried to talk and um, didn't necessarily improvise, you know. Oh, stuff. fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> did, not, did not through improvisation get something of this level, but he made up for it on this show. 
Uh, interesting, the start, because I, I watched the beginning of, of NXT. NXT kicked off with one of the cage matches, and it was a 16-minute cage match started NXT, and AEW started the total opposite with pretty much a 20-minute talking segment. Interesting, okay. Which, which, which cage match started? They started with Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Right, of course. And went, and went, and went lengthy. Okay. SCU and Colt Cabana, Colt Cabana making his Dynamite debut, taking on Dark Order with Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And Excalibur mentioned all the theories people have of who the Exalted One was, and there's even a theory that he is the Exalted One, but said they don't pay me enough. Um, yeah, well, he does wear a mask. I guess there's, there's an Exalted budget as well for this person. <laughs> They jump Cabana and knock SCU to the floor, and then SCU comes back. They do the same, and Dark Order gets knocked down, and they attack John Silver. Uh, they got the uh, advantage on Daniels, went through the commercial break. Hot tag is made to Frankie Kazarian, and as the Dark Order gets uh, sent to the floor, Evil Uno is left in there alone and gets swarmed by SCU. Uh, Evil Uno stops a bionic elbow from Colt Cabana with a eye poke. Scorpio Sky hit a Topicon Hero, and then Colt Cabana was left with Alex Reynolds, hit the Chicago Skyline, and Superman pin for the cover. And also very visible was uh, Colt Cabana here um, with his uh, with his shoulder getting the um, the cup therapy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's pretty, a- pretty noticeable. He's dealing with something with his shoulder. Or it could just be for like relaxation, you know. Is it relaxing to get that done, mm, or, or would you only do it if there was a problem? I think you you would do it. Just, I mean, it's it's basically kind of like a massage. Um, I it's not necessarily something that, at least as far as I know, that you would have to do. Um, you can do it because something's bothering you, but you can also just do it because something is mildly bothering you, or you just maybe want to like. What am I like a spokesperson for cup therapy? You here? you are the one with the experience, so I, yeah. I rely on you for the advice here on uh, the cup therapy. Well, you don't have to have an injury in order to get it, but I mean, obviously, if, perhaps if if he's targeting that specific spot, maybe it's it's bothering him. But I don't. You can't really you know say how severe it is. He was wrestling here, so seemed fine. Um, I thought this was a good eight man tag and a very good showcase for you know a, a new talent here in Cole Cabana, who the crowd automatically loves. And um, seems like this is kind of like where he's going to be placed for now as SCU's buddy. Evil Uno cut a promo and said that heads will roll when the exalted one arrives and revealed the gender when he arrives. Revealed the, g- the g- gender. Oh, no, well, no. Well, the exalted one could have been a, a she, but we got it confirmed here. It's a he. Oh, got it. Okay. Yes. They've always they ran- referred to the exalted one as he. Haven't they? Um, I've always just heard the Exalted One. Maybe. They they may have. Okay. They aired a, uh, I, I thought, a really well-done video package putting over the tag match from, from Sunday, which is something that so often, so many companies, you know, you have this blow-away match on the pay-per-view and you don't make a, a big enough deal about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this, they included quotes from Wade Keller, Justin Barrasso, and Dave Meltzer putting over the tag match. And yeah. I, I thought this was like a really well done deal because I always feel that if you didn't order the pay-per-view that next show, the feeling I want to give is, man, you really missed something and you, you, you feel left out that you missed it. I want to put guilt on people that didn't buy my show. 
And if you did order it, it makes you feel like you really got your money's worth. For I saw it. something historic. Yeah. And, and, you know, all the talk, I think, uh, earlier before the pay-per-view about whether or not $50 is too much, I I would... I mean, I'm sure there's still some people that feel like, you know, if they paid $50, it was too much. But I would also be willing to bet that most who did pay for it feel like they got their money's worth because, I mean, the way they were framing it here, it felt like this was something historical. It was This was something that Dave Meltzer... JR here, Excalibur, we're calling the best tag team match of all time. Excalibur said it's the best Young Bucks match he has ever seen, which covers an enormous amount of ground. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, obviously, you know, I think having not just the journalists, but your announcers who have, who, you know, have, have a great deal of credibility. Um, and I say, I say that more from JR's perspective, because I, I guess Tony calling it the best tag team match I have ever seen. It Maybe. was the greatest night in our great sports history. Might not mean as much, but um, I, it, it does sound cool. And, and I, it's a celebration of like something that you produced under your own brand that's critically acclaimed. I was, I was waiting for um, the quotation. Uh, I went and rewatched this. Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Cody yeah. package. <laughs> I heated up my, my Thai leftovers. <laughs> my cashew nut chicken. <laughs> and rewatched this match. The Cody video package would have been, uh, quote, <laughs> you know this guy's a heel, Damian Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> Britt Baker is on commentary. Uh, I love watching her with Tony Schiavone. I think it's very uh, fun. She got him a skinny vanilla no whip with the with the word T-O-N-I written on it. I think they just that she made very clear to show the camera so that they got it. Did they just no be, zoom in, though. Did they just reuse the same cup every week, you think? Well, the last one wasn't uh, Tony was spelt with like an E-Y, I think. Oh. I don't know how many different ways they're going to be able to spell Tony outside of these two, but um, I don't know how long this gag can run. I guess um, Tone E with E's at the end. Um, Lots of ways. Tone. Yeah. I guess Big Tone is taken. Little Tone, Mid Tone. Um, so she's on commentary for this uh, women's match coming up next with Big Swole and Leva Bates and... Like, the big point of this match was the librarian offering her a book. Big Swole threw the book away, and that opened Excalibur to segue into a plug for the Young Bucks and Jim Ross, both releasing books this year. And then Big Swole won with Dirty Dancing in one minute and 21 seconds. Yes, yes. Uh, you know. Uh, confirmed all this happened? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You're exactly right. Two books coming out. Yep. Um, I. It was a very quick match, and I, I thought uh, what stood out to me the most was Britt Baker on commentary, who didn't even say a whole lot, but she, I think in not saying a whole lot, just immediately just comes across like uh, uh, just such a jerk, such a holier-than-thou type of, uh, you know, heel. Um, I really just saw this, though, as like a, a week one build for Big Swole, who they seem to be kind of putting a bit more focus on. It was an appropriate length. And I think if you're watching it, it automatically kind of draws the association between Swole and Baker for a future program. You know what I'm waiting for? The big spot? Leva Bates when she finally gets a pinfall victory? What's that? She wins with the cover. <laughs> huh. Cody comes out for the next segment. Huge reaction. And he gets into the ring. He was also joined by the neck tattoo. He explains the goal of getting on a pay-per-view. 
is for a payoff the winner's share of the purse, as Jim Ross would so eloquently describe it, and said that he can only be comfortable about this loss to MJF if MJF comes out, looks him in the eye, and tells Cody he beat him fair and square. But it's not MJF music, MJF's music that plays. Out comes Jake the Snake Roberts. This crowd is stunned to be seeing Jake here. He comes out. He is... Um, as romantically tied to the rope and turnbuckle that you could possibly imagine a wrestler conveying. He came out and kissed the turnbuckle. He yeah. was just like rubbing the, the rope, kissing the turnbuckle. Um, well, I imagine this, this probably meant a lot to him. And I'm sure like being able to perform on a national TV stage um, in his real voice, I wonder if he... You know, um, I wonder what it like, how much more it meant to him that, you know, wasn't necessarily conveyed on screen here. He tells Cody to stop crying like a bitch. Cody got his ass kicked and got it handed to him and says, I'm not here to praise you. I'm here to slay you. Jake reveals he has a client and the dark side is coming to AEW. It took him 20 years to get clean and get right, and he's earned it. He explains that for years he put a snake into the corner so that people would pay attention to the snake and he'd have them in the palm of his hand, right where he wanted them. And his client is going to whip him. And Cody can bring his one-trick pony, Arn Anderson. He continually referred to Cody as Caesar and said... I'm not here to take the whole pie, just your share. And he said at the end, this great closing line, they say, never turn your back on someone you respect or you're afraid of as he flips the mic up and turns his back to Cody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I certainly did not expect Jake to be on the show, much less as a heel manager threatening to take Cody out with a new client. Um, that was a little bit out of nowhere because I think when you see a legend typically, especially when it's with Cody, and I think you know the association with, with he and DDP, you would expect Jake to be, you know, on uh, maybe a, uh, another mentor, I would say, to, to Cody and his, um, uh, I don't know, whatever journey to, to, you know, to deal with this loss. But he's coming out here as a heel opposing Cody. And I think it took maybe a, a brief second of adjustment for the entire audience to realize that. But then afterwards, like everybody was just so transfixed on like a performance from Jake, the snake Roberts. And he said it great. You know, um, he, it sounded like a high level, maybe not necessarily Jake at his best, but like, I mean, if you compare it to like the promos of today, he certainly like felt still miles above plenty of other people. So He's I, very captivating oh, as a speaker. So great. Like great quotables, great lines. Um it, it it was a really good surprise for TV. It sets another mystery in motion. I do wonder like if if the wording of the word dark is done in, intentionally to make you wonder if it's all tied together, who knows. Um and it's also the beginning of Cody's next story. Yeah, um, a lot here. I mean, Cody had no response here, and you could do Cody next week responding to Jake, but man, is there a part of me that wants to see Jake get confronted by Arn Anderson in the ring, and Arn just... 
because Arn hasn't gotten to do a big promo yet. And this to me would be that that line in there. I, th- I think that would be a great chance to get Arn in there as well. Seems like it'll happen. Um, who do you think it'll be? Um, Luke Harper. I don't know. Well, we we got nothing on Lance Archer tonight. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. Plans change. I don't know. I don't know if that's a potential. Like maybe they because last week they had they had promoted the fact that there would be more on Lance Archer this week. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they actually said he'd be here, didn't they? I think they did. Yeah. At the very least, they said like we'd have more on Lance Archer signing. Like they had like that graphic out. So and there was no reference to Lance Archer tonight. So. Mm. I mean, maybe that's that's a potential introduction for him. Hmm. Possible. Chuck Taylor versus Pack. Uh, they explained at the beginning here. They explained. I thought they said both the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are not here. But later we learned Matt Jackson was here. Nick Jackson was not. I don't recall. I didn't catch it. Um, they had a fine match here. Taylor hit a tilt a world backbreaker and then Pack responded with a big elbow into the corner, went through the break. Best friends did their hug on the floor. Taylor caught him out of the corner with the awful waffle that was the big near fall of the match, climbed to the top, missed a moonsault, allowing Pack to apply the brutalizer and submit Taylor. It it was an all right match, I thought. A very lengthy match, and I, I think it it was apparent to me that like the crowd really likes Chucky e. T, but I don't know if they like him enough at this point to warrant a match of this length um you know it, to me it was almost like uh yeah it was just it was a good it was a good match but um wasn't really captivating the whole way through the way you know let's say um pack some of other some of the other matches on the show were yeah it was um you know it, it, it was fine um not to me like a like a blow away match or anything but it was a uh... Fine for the time they had. Trent did a face-off, and then Orange Cassidy got in the middle and stood up to pack. And then the Lucha Brothers ran out. They attacked Orange Cassidy and Trent, and they ended up getting uh, stomping them down. And Pack, uh, who had joined in here, got on the microphone, said, Listen up, scumbags, and dubbed himself, Pentagon Jr., and Ray Phoenix as the Death Triangle. And they proceeded to hit Orange Cassidy with the package pile driver, double foot stomp off the top, and then posed with Cassidy with Pentagon biting his ear. Yeah. Oh, I'd lose it. <laughs> that would just be not cool. Uh, I like the faction. You know, like we've we've talked about the Lucha Bros not really having too much direction. And at least I was personally wondering if like, you know, it was there it was an inability to cut a promo in English that a compelling promo in English, at least, you know, that, that was holding him back. And I think putting pack with these two certainly fixes that problem as a tandem. I think it opens up like a lot of interesting possibilities in ring. And I think this first feud with like the best friends in orange Cassidy is, is, is something that feels fresh. Yeah. And clearly like the Lucha brothers, like they are staying heels with pack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not ideal, perhaps, but I think you have maybe a lot of babyface teams right now. Maybe they just simply need heels and heels that are strong. Yeah, and I guess feuding with the best friends in Cassidy for now. Um, Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard 
Uh, they're continuing to seek out a tag partner. This has been going on for a while uh, on Dark. And they're going to Twitter. So tweet yeah. them. What is this? Like, uh, like, are they looking for fans to be his tag team partner? <laughs> I don't know. DM Sean Spears and maybe you'll be on TV with him. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not... I wonder what's going on with this. I mean, he he's just kind of been a little bit off the radar if you're not watching Dark since his um his match with Cody. It, it just feels like he and Tully have just not been doing anything. Um so, okay. QT Marshall and Jake Hager, uh Dustin Rhodes and Brandy came out with QT and then Hager had Santina and Ortiz in his corner. Chance of Jericho's bitch were directed at Hager. He drove QT into the corner, hit him with a power slam. Uh, then Hager went for the Vader bomb, but Marshall got the feet up, handspring Inseguri off the ropes, and then went for a twisting swanton, but the Tornado DDT gets blocked. Hager kills him with a lariat, applies the arm triangle, uh, which they definitely emphasized here, the submission wins in Bellator for Hager using the submission, and Marshall submitted at three minutes, 18 seconds. And I think Hager, to me, it was much better in this kind of shorter match format than like the 15 minutes we got at the pay-per-view. Absolutely. I agree. Um, uh, and I like QT Marshall here, you know, at first I just thought he was like Cody's assistant, but, um, you know, a guy of, uh, of, of great technique himself. He seems very solid and he's entertaining to watch in these scenarios and he made his opponent look good. This is what Shayna Baszler should have done on Monday. Face QT Marshall. Yeah, exactly. Yes. In three minutes and 18 seconds. Um, so Hager won't release the arm triangle. So Dustin Rhodes runs in and he gets jumped by Santana and Ortiz. It's three on one. Cody runs in and he's trying to fight with them. There's a chair shot by Ortiz delivered to Cody. So he goes down. Dustin is shielding his brother when Matt Jackson runs out. And this is where they explain Nick is not here. He hits Ortiz and Santana with super kicks, goes for Hager, he gets slammed down, and then Hangman Page stumbles out and is pretending he's drunk. Um, on his graphic, it read, Hangman Page whooped both their asses. And he pretends he's drunk, puts his beer down, but then he's fine. And he fires up on everybody, nails Jake Hager with the buckshot lariat for a huge pop, and then chugs his beer before giving the middle finger to Matt Jackson. Yeah, which confirms that that feud is still going on, and I love that because it's it's been really hot. I didn't want to just see you know these guys put their differences aside for a war games match or something. Um, I want to see. I think everybody wants to see like this pissed off Hangman who still has something, uh, you know, a, a lot of rage against Matt Jackson for whatever reason. I love that. So. Well, do you think that all these pieces out here are leading to the uh, blood and guts match? Like this is what this segment is leading towards. It's what it felt like, you know. I don't know if if Dustin will be a part of the match or not, but it kind of leads you to think that. Yeah, yeah. Next week they're going to be announcing the rules of the blood and guts match. I, I guess they're kind of teasing that there will be some um, alteration, um, stating that you might think you know the rules, but um, you might be surprised by something. It was kind of how they were teeing it up for next week. So. Um, in addition to, to the rules next week, they also announced uh, Cody versus Ortiz coming off the chair shot, the death triangle in action, Jurassic Express against the Butcher, the Blade, and MJF 
And that's in Salt Lake City next week. All right. MJF did a tape promo with Wardlow in the background. This was just such a great promo. He just had line after line here. He went from protege to prodigy. He was the final chapter in Cody's Odyssey, and he's got a lot of ink left for his legacy. He says he will be the greatest world champion in the history of pro wrestling, and he's going to become the number one contender. And he doesn't care who he has to face, if it's Moxley, Omega, Lucha Boring, Jungle Jabroni, or Marco Stunted Growth. He will remain undefeated, and then says it's getting a little hot in here. And he reveals a t-shirt that reads, I pinned Cody, that he says is embarrassing, obnoxious, regrettable, and it's very distracting. Kind of like a neck tattoo. This guy was just excellent here. This this was a tremendous promo. High quality promo from NJF. And, you know, I thought closed up the Cody program here is 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 how it seemed to me. Um, cut a promo, of course, on the Jurassic Express, which he'll be facing. But um, also set his sights on John Moxley. So I wonder if this is them setting up J- MJF as, as the next challenger. It certainly seems to be that's where he's going for with, with the title. I, I think ultimately you do have to come back to Cody and MJF, but maybe they are going in separate directions in the short feud in the short term. And this will be kind of this overarching uh, feud that we know is not over yet. Mm-hmm. And they'll get back to at some point, but this is, they're very much positioning Cody. Like he is at this low point to like, he got, you know, just t- completely annihilated by Jake on the microphone. And then gets laid out here in this segment. Like they are, Certainly priming Cody for, you know, some big comeback or redemption. Got laid out on Twitter by the entire world for his tattoo. Oh, has it been ugly? I've heard I've not heard one compliment about it. It's it's one example where it seems a lot of people are on the same page about it. Minus one. Yeah. We do the entrances for the main event and Moxley comes through the crowd but gets jumped by three men in masks who reveal themselves to be Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. And they take Moxley out into the concourse area and just beat the hell out of him. They're hitting him with the garbage can over and over. JR is calling for these men to be arrested, which they would be if this was outside the building. And then Jericho and Guevara are already in the ring with Darby Allen, so they jump Allen. And Moxley is trying to fight back, but Hager applies the arm triangle choke on the floor to put out Moxley. So the match is going to begin as a handicap match with Darby Allen willing to take on the two, and he just fires up on both. He knocks Jericho off the apron, hits Sammy with a shotgun dropkick. Uh, Sammy and Allen just have phenomenal chemistry together. They just are perfect together. They're excellent. Very fast, like crisp. Yeah. Uh, Jericho finally comes in. He applies the walls, and Allen's able to get to the rope and then gets nailed to the floor with a baseball slide drop kick. Went through the commercial. Allen comes back with a dive to the floor, but then they beat down on him some more. Gets the knees up when Jericho goes for the lion salt, and then he hits a destroyer on Guevara, gets a two count, then flips Sammy to the floor and hits a coffin drop to the members of the inner circle on the floor. Into the ring, he's left with Guevara, hits a twisting stunner, and hits this unbelievable coffin drop. Like, this was more than halfway across the ring. Jericho runs in to break it up, but misses Darby, who moves out of the way, so Jericho nails Sammy, and then hits a suicide dive to Jericho. But as he's in midair, he gets cracked with the Judas effect, 
and Allen is rolled into the ring, and Sammy Guevara pins him. Perfect timing on that Judas effect. I mean, it looked really good uh, on the second angle. Unfortunately, the first angle was almost like... Looked like a forearm or something, but the replay caught it. The replay caught it perfectly. Uh, it, it was great timing uh, for, from both men there. And a, co- a cool finish, like a very cool, cool idea. Yep, very cool finish. I mean, legitimately, or at least like in storyline, knocked Darby out. I love that, you know, there was no kind of like fooling around. He got touched with the Judas effect. The match is done. I thought it was an awesome match. You know, spotlight here was put entirely on Darby Allen. Of course, he made it look like he t- he almost took care of the entire inner circle by himself. They kept stacking the odds onto him. It was two on one at first, and then the other three returned, and it became five on one. And he bar- he 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 survived. I think as as well as you know he could have without making the entire inner circle look like total dorks. But you know, uh, in in doing all this, it. Helps rehab the inner circle, makes them look more threatening than ever, even without the belt. And then afterwards, we get the the post match angle where they can uh, Moxley comes out and he's returned from the arm triangle submission, but he's outnumbered. So Hager and the inner circle fight him up the ramp, and they end up power bombing Moxley off the stage through a table, and they all give him the middle finger and they celebrate on the stage to end the show. So it is Jericho standing tall and Moxley is not leaving the building um, standing. At least that's what we were left to believe. It, it was actually, I think a reference to the shield bomb. And when they decided to fist, they'd use middle fingers instead of just the fist. Oh, I didn't even, uh, yeah, that makes uh well, that's uh their, their version of fisting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was a really, good end to the show and as we mentioned this was a swerve so jericho at least isn't going leaving for 60 days just yet uh even though i think we everybody believed that he would be um i would say it was a show coming off of revolution that um i i thought like there was a lot of big monumental things happening towards like the final weeks of revolution i didn't necessarily feel that way with this show it wasn't like a show that i think you have to come out of saying wow i can't believe this happened um, but it was still a very solid show and set in motion uh, a lot of chapter ones for new feuds, like with Cody, uh, Jake was a great surprise. And even like, um, it seems like I hear Moxley and Jericho have something going on continuing. Yeah, I think that it's, um, th- this, this show was more so focused on what had just happened instead of what is about to happen, but um, I, I think coming off of the pay-per-view, I think that was the momentum for this show, even though NXT kind of had more things announced in advance for the, for their show. But I think this coming off the pay-per-view, um, having just something like suddenly you hear, oh, Jake Roberts is on Dynamite. I think that causes a lot of people to want to go watch that if um, there's flipping back and forth. So um, I, I, I feel that this is the show that would probably have most people's interest of the follow-up to the pay-per-view and yeah introducing a lot of new directions coming out of revolution and where you're going to be going over the next few months i'm really excited to like hear more from jake you know um and i hope he doesn't just kind of get like relegated to i don't know a bit of a Uh, non-role asking for um teammates on twitter yeah like it's really disappointing i think what little they've done with with tully and even Arn, you know in this in this kind of capacity so i hope kind of this is like Jake's chance to really relive like the spotlight a little bit and continue to showcase something that 
is still probably the best part of his game, and that's just his promos. Uh, I just want to mention before we go to feedback, uh, uh, Joel Robinson sent us in because he watches it on Fight TV and just wanted to give us some of the notes of what happened during the uh, the picture in picture because you and I don't get to watch those. Um, so uh, not it seems like they've kind of. Um, they're doing less now in the picture in picture that you're not missing big things. But uh, here are a few of the things uh, that happened throughout the breaks. We had uh, Cody. Uh, I think this was right before Jake came out, not afterwards, where he's talking to the crowd. He introduced them to the cameraman, Jamie, and then hmm. starts introducing everyone who works there to the crowd. And then the crowd started chanting Dusty. Um, and then they counted down until they were live. Uh, after the best friends match, you had Orange Cassidy, or maybe this is before because he got beaten up in the in the segment. He was doing the uh, the lazy fist bumps, and then draws the camera to a guy wearing an Oprah T shirt. Yes, yes. And the and then the other one was uh, Brandy and Dustin throwing signed fake apples to the crowd on behalf of QT Marshall. And JR making slight jabs to some folks, it lists here in the notes. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you. Well, so that's the uh, the Fight TV portion. Very cool. All right. Let's go to the forum and see what uh, everybody thought. What? Uh, why don't you go through the poll way? All right. Out of 10, you guys thought this episode of Dynamite ranked 7.41. So uh, lower than previous weeks, but still a pretty respectable score for uh, for any TV show. Let's start off with Paul from New Jersey, who says, Between the blonde hair and neck tattoo, Cody looks like he still loves Limp Biscuit. Great promo from Jake. I love that Roberts doesn't shout during his promos. He still has it. MJF is amazing. Great promo. AEW has been far superior to NXT lately, in my opinion. I'm happy for Colt. Is he signed? Yes. Yes, he is signed. So he's signed full time. Yeah, he's going to be... They said that he's 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 signed and... It looks like he could be doing several roles. I mean, Tony Khan outlined like you could see him wrestle, you could see him do commentary. Does it mean um, he won't he won't be taking part in any New Japan or NWA Power or ROH? I guess that remains to be seen of uh, whether this deal is going to prohibit him from doing that. He was on the the most recent NWA tapings, but that was back in January, and he hasn't been advertised yet for the Crockett Cup show, but. Hmm. Those will be the natural questions. Like the you could see he was figured into New Japan with the team with Toru Yano, mm-hmm. and I mean he was going to be over there for the New Japan Cup, and that was you know that would have been starting this week. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to find out for sure. But I mean, had these shows not been canceled, I like Colt would have been over there right now. Hmm. Adam from the street. I thought that Mox's promo was better than the one he cut after the match at Revolution. Bit of a nitpick, but Jericho waiting for his music to end at the beginning of the show felt a little like Rhea Ripley doing her stomp last week. It was a little awkward with him just standing there, especially with him being in the main event match and playing again. His promo uh, was at the top of the ramp, though, which is a nice callback to a Monday night in 1999. The inner circle must be doing great cardio. They're pulling double, sometimes triple duty weekly. Jake was great. Don't care what comes next. He can just be the voice of Damian Abraham every week. Hail Caesar. (laughs) Hangman continues to be awesome. Any word on if Omega is going to be out for a while? Uh, Darby Allen is great. WH probably hates his gear. Which guy had the easier phone call to make to Steve Austin? Kevin Owens so that he could use the stunner or Moxley so that he could use his uh, skull t-shirt design? Uh, I don't know. 
I'm not sure. I didn't didn't notice the T-shirt. Did it look a lot like Austin's? I, I didn't even notice the the T-shirt to be honest. I guess he had a new design. We got Adam from Scarborough who says, "I really enjoyed this show. It felt like the first episode of a new season." Any chance you could see trios titles ever coming in, or would you prefer a secondary singles title? Uh, we've kind of talked about like the idea of of, of titles and uh, a secondary title. I think it's they could do a secondary title, a trios title. No, like I I think there there's one too many titles in a lot of companies, and a trios title is just I can't see them giving it that much prestige. And how many trios teams I guess are there to warrant an entire division? And it's a, a, a set of belts for that. Yeah, I just this show. I don't watch this show and think, man, I wish there was another title. Um, I, I don't think that's a problem at all. At all. Mm-hmm. He also says he's he got some input from his grandfather on the show again. He thinks Cody's tattoo is fake and was surprised to see AJ Roberts. Yeah, the phenomenal uh, Jake Roberts. Lewis from Long Beach. This is the first episode of Dynamite I watched all the way through in months. I've mostly kept up watching clips and by listening to to your podcast, but after watching Revolution, I wanted to try to get back in full time. This was an awesome episode for me. It's such a good feeling to watch a show and actually have anticipation for what's coming next with a crowd that's really into the baby faces and hates the heels. Jake's promo was excellent and his voice almost going out a few times added to it for me. MJF's promo was superb and the line about a neck tattoo at the end was perfect. Despite the news from Matt Hardy earlier in the day, him not showing up on this episode didn't take away from it in the least. Do you have any idea of who Jake's protege could be that'll that he'll introduce, I assume in a few weeks, eight out of out of ten show? I mean, like we've kind of thrown the thrown the names out there. Could it be Jeff Cobb? Could it be well, I guess Jeff Cobb's not a full time guy at the moment. Um Yeah. I don't know. Any other suggestions? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of guys that you would um have attached to Jake. Um you know, it's it's certainly a great way to introduce someone. Um but man, um I, I guess Brody Lee you throw into there. Yeah. That that would be another option. Your turn or my turn? Oh, uh oh, Alexander mine. Okay, mine, you go. We go to Alex from Portland who says easily AEW's weakest show. But it was pretty entertaining. I wouldn't call it the weakest AEW show. Maybe like no. of the of recent months or re- recent weeks, perhaps. Yeah, they hit that low at the end of the year, the December eighteenth show, and I would say from there, it's that that was also their their turnaround when they came back in January. Seeing the main event made me realize AEW so far haven't booked any handicap matches. So seeing how it was handled tonight was great. Death Triangle sounds cool, but you know what would be cooler? The Lucha Bastards. That would be cooler. Yeah, but they'd have to censor it every time they cut a promo. They're allowed to say bastard, aren't they? They don't censor that. Um, Yeah, I guess guess, uh, Lucha Bastards might make it through, and we know that sucks ass is okay. (laughs) For the three odd men out that weren't a part of a trio, they're going to work so well together. Speaking of working well, Guevara and Alan are so smooth together. I could see a future a few years off where these two are having a match with each other in the main event. Lastly, one of my pet peeves with modern pro wrestling is when you can't tell the difference between arenas week after week. Between Moxley entering through the crowd in the backstage brawls, it's fantastic to see parts of the arenas, to give them more personality, and to make the episode stand out just that much more. Yeah, we're getting a tour of all the concourse areas across America. Uh, do you have a favorite? Um, the, um, the, first, the first inner circle concourse brawl, wherever that was. The one that had the uh, they had the, the private box, 
The one, the, the, the one where they spilled out of the private box and then went into the uh, concession area. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great one. Yep. Yeah, that was a wonderful concourse. Uh, Jay from Colorado. He was at the show live. He said he had a fantastic time. The crowd was pumped in the beginning, and I think just about everyone was expecting some more movement on the Dark Order front and at least some sort of news about Lance Archer. While people were disappointed that neither came to any sort of fruition, it was still a fun show. Jericho is the greatest of all time, hands down. He knows how to work a crowd like no other and had everyone eating out of the palm of his hand. For some reason or another, QT Marshall, Brandy, and Dustin threw apples into the crowd. There were some AEW dark matches filmed prior to everything, which I won't spoil here, but after the show, we got three extra dark matches, including Jimmy Havoc against a local talent from Rocky Mountain Pro, which ended with Luther attacking Jimmy Havoc. Hikaru Shida versus another local talent from Rocky Mountain Pro, whose gimmick was basically a zombie, but it was a decent match. Then we got Brandon Cutler and Sonny Kiss against Private Party. One thing I'd like to end on, I love AEW, and I love professional wrestling. While most of the crowd tonight was awesome and totally respectful, I was extremely disappointed by the transphobic comments during Nyla Rose's video package and the handful of homophobic comments I heard during Sonny Kiss's match. While it was a small, small minority of the crowd, I feel like we still need to do better. 8 out of 10. Edit. Just got out of my car and it was broken into. 7 out of 10 show. Oh, man. Oh, that's awful. That's terrible. Um, mm. th- Those chants are just uh, disgusting. It's just horrible that that stuff happens. Terrible, yeah. Um, if it happens, like, I know sometimes I, I you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I love it when, like, people call the, this shit out. Like, when people film these people and just blast them on, on the internet. I mean, it's probably very, I don't know. It can go overboard, but shit, like, we gotta discourage shit like that. That's terrible. Um, by the way, uh, yeah, QT Marshall's thing is Apple, so that's why they're throwing. Um, and yeah, Jimmy Havoc, Havoc and Luther are doing something. I thought like they were going to pair them together as part of like, you know, sort of like a new Nightmare Collective. But More darkness. <laughs> I mean, they have a lot of dark characters. Yeah, they, they do. We go to Raymond from Sacramento, California, who says, A few weeks ago, I talked about Cody and his love for wrestling and the company he's part of. Tonight, he showed once again how smart he is. Depending on the circles you exist in, Cody's choice of tattoo and or placement is all that anyone can talk about. On this episode of Dynamite, he came out there to an incredible babyface reaction, and instead of making his promo about the reaction to his new ink, they went in a completely new direction with Jake the Snake Roberts surprising everyone and him cutting a legendary promo on Cody that changed the conversation to Cody being a Caesar-like character that he has no respect for. I I don't know know how that... Intentional. Like, I don't think Cody... I don't think Cody came out here expecting... Like to have to answer for his tattoo. <laughs> that would have been the most awkward promo uh, <laughs> ever. If okay, let's talk about my tattoo. These are my decisions behind it. I mean, uh, I I don't think he would be that um, self indulgent for an entire promo segment to address his tattoo, um, which is like in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty small thing. Yeah. Noah from Vaughn, I can definitely see why people may not have liked this show as much as previous editions of Dynamite due to the lack of incredible in-ring, but I thought it was still a pretty good show with an absolutely amazing crowd. Nothing dragged, and the show has a clear direction coming out of the pay-per-view. The Jake Roberts appearance was phenomenal. One thing that I noticed was that I'm pretty sure this was the first AEW show not to feature any of the elite in a match. Darby Allen continues to show why he will be a main event star for years to come. He was fantastic in the main event, 8 out of 10 show. Finally, we go to Chris, who says, This has been an absolutely fantastic episode of Dynamite. I thought Jake's promo was top-notch. 
We got some great new angles coming out of Revolution, everything felt fresh, and yet I can't help but feel cheated that they pushed back the Exalted One. I could have sworn they said he'd be here tonight, so pushing it back frustrates me more than it should. Either they way, never said he was going to be here tonight. I think they said imminently, you know, but they they never explicitly said tonight. Yeah, I I, I didn't think that was uh, nothing that I, I think people were necessarily expecting. Um, yeah, so that is going to bring an end to Rewind to Dynamite, a interesting episode of, of Dynamite coming out of this and the many different directions. I mean, they are building up uh, several surprises now between the Exalted One, whoever Jake's client is, and um, those seem to be kind of in, in intriguing areas of where they can go and some interesting candidates as well that could fill those spots. Yeah, I mean, setting up the Jake mystery, I feel like, you know, means I, I, I would have to think that the other mystery of the Exalted One will be solved shortly. So maybe next week, maybe not. Yes. Well, uh, that's going to bid us farewell. We are going to be back Thursday, everybody, 3 p.m. Eastern time for the Cafe Hangout. Uh, joining us in studio once again, uh, Evan Husney, who is the executive producer, the co-executive producer of Dark Side of the Ring. So we will chat all about that series and the second season that they just uh, announced uh, will be coming back March the 24th and how they arrived at some of the uh, the subjects that they have on tap for season two. So also look forward to taking your phone calls. We will be looking ahead to Elimination Chamber this Sunday. We'll go through the ratings and uh, we'll also share our thoughts on NXT from Wednesday night as well, which featured two steel cage matches. Way. Ooh. Two cage matches, then two chamber matches on Sunday. Hmm. Everything in doubles. Randy Orton just tweeted out um, a video of him RKOing Jake Roberts. <laughs> Well, we know uh, if if he's a Nielsen family, then we know here where his um where how where he was counted for on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. That would make Randy Orton and Baron Corbin the two examples of guys tweeting about Dynamite as it's uh, airing that they must have been watching Dynamite. Seriously, I mean, if like you're if you're Randy Orton, what style of wrestling do you think like would align more to your taste, or at least what style of storytelling? You know, I mean, well, NXT's great too, but. Like, the Cody stuff is exactly up Orton's alley. Well, look, I mean, he's involved in the hottest angle right now in WWE, and it's such a departure from what he's been doing for, for years at this point. I mean, it's, like, there is no doubt. He he must have got an incredible offer staying with WWE, and I think he was very smart about how he went about negotiating. And But if he was in AEW, I mean, he would be involved in, he'd be right in the top angle. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll chat more on the Hangout on Thursday. So we'll chat with you all then. In the meantime, you can go check out postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. Good night.